0: in your life. The growth groups you've heard mentioned, and there's a prayer guide that's been written specifically for that purpose. So you can join in this group that lasts through the season of Lent, and hopefully begin in that group process, uh, come to a deeper walk with God. We've also updated the prayer room, and it's available now before and after the 930 service. You can go in, light a candle on behalf of a prayer concern or another person that you're Worried about? There's also be one person, one of our Stevens minister, each week. If you'd like someone to pray with you, or you can just go on your own. We also have a prayer walking team that we're developing that would be available to do during the week if it's not convenient for you to come a little early to church and pray over the spaces where you worship, pray for the people that will sit in these chairs, and hope that God enters their heart in the way they need it on that day. Or our prayer gathering team that meets on Mondays. It's a valuable opportunity to pray over the prayer concerns that have been turned in each week. And just come whenever you can. It meets every week, but you don't have to come every week. On Good Friday, we're going to have a prayer vigil from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You come in for 30 minutes at a time. We'll be lifting up the prayer concerns gathered that previous Sunday, special concerns as well as some other resources to help you get through that 30 minutes if you find that difficult. And In a little while, you'll hear about our All Church Prayer Initiative that will hopefully involve as many of us as possible. Now, why are we doing all this? Because prayer is an absolute requirement for us to grow in our walk with God. It is how he changes us and shapes us and conforms us into his image, and it is through us, through that prayer, that he pulls us together to change his world. Prayer does so many things. Prayer, in a sense, is asking for a miracle every time you pray. You're praying for God to help you do what you cannot do on your own. Prayer is how we seek the dreams that God has for us. It is how we find the strength to work for justice and make it right in this world. It is how God makes us become the people we need to be for the people he's called us to love. Prayer should become as natural as breathing, talking, eating. But for many of us, prayer is like finding that little glass box on the wall at church or at school or at a place of work that says, break in case of emergency. Isn't that how we often come to God? I notice in our prayer concerns, we turn in each week. We put those together in a list. They're emailed out to our prayer chain and to the staff. And I notice most of the time that list contains health concerns and crisis. And that's okay. That's good. That's important. But prayer is so much more than that. It should go beyond that. Our prayers tend to be for what we want and what we need. But deep prayer, the transforming prayer that we're trying to speak of in this season of prayer, should seek what God wants in our lives and take it to that deeper level. Prayer the way that Jesus modeled it, how he showed it to the disciples and passes along to us, transforms us, and it transforms the world. A few questions I would invite you to ask in order to grasp this deeper form of prayer. Is there anything about me or my life that I would like to change but have felt powerless to do anything about it? Is there a relationship in my life with unhealthy tendencies in need of God's guidance and healing? Is there any injustice or need in the world that cries at my heart but I've never done anything about it? And what obstacles in my life need to be removed so my relationship with God can grow and my prayer life thrive in more consistent ways? Good questions to ask as we try to understand what transforming prayer looks like. Now, Our passage that we shared from Matthew today offers an interesting image, I think. Mountain-moving prayer, I think, is something I'd like for us to take with us today. What does Jesus mean when he says that if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain? Have you ever moved a mountain? Have you ever read in the Bible anybody moving a mountain? No. Even Jesus doesn't try to move a mountain. Why does he use this image? Jesus is doing here what he often does when he speaks, when he teaches. He shares in parables with images that are exaggerated beyond any common sense to shock his listeners to hear the point that he's trying to drive home. Just like when he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You all have got both your hands, right? Or pull your eye out, pluck your eye out if it causes you to sin. Or how about that parable of the unforgiving servant? You remember when the servant was forgiven of his master, a debt? And if you translate and convert that debt to the monetary terms that we'd understand today, you discover the debt that he owed that master was 60 million days of labor, the average laborer. And then that servant went out and had a debt owed to him from a fellow servant, and he refused to forgive him. And the debt that's represented there when converted equals 100 days. Drives home the point how much we owe God always versus what we often owe one another when it comes to forgiveness. That's how Jesus spoke. And that's exactly what he's doing here in this passage. He has chosen a mountain because it's the largest thing anybody in Galilee would be able to imagine. If you lived in Galilee, you would know about Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon rises up 9,272 feet. And he contrasts that with a tiny mustard seed, the smallest thing that he could imagine. Now, often people misunderstand this passage. If you go to a church that might put a little excessive emphasis on miracles. They often tell you that when you pray and if your prayer is not answered it's because you don't have enough faith. That's not what Jesus is trying to say here. He's trying to say that if you have faith only of a mustard seed, God can take that and do amazing things with it, as large as the mountain that you can imagine. The point is not that we don't have enough faith. It's not the quantity of our faith that matters. It's the object of our faith that matters. It's not do we conjure up somehow some increased amount of faith energy and somehow God will grant it to us. No, just put a little bit of trust in the God who can do anything and he'll grant you what you need in your life. It's not that our faith has to be great. It's that our faith is in a great God is the point that he's trying to make. So how would we flesh out this image of mountain-moving prayer? How do we talk about transformative prayer? And I'd like to turn to our other passage today. I think it says in many ways what we need to hear and shows the qualities in a detailed way that God wants to share with us. The writer says, this is why I kneel before the Father and offers Very helpful images. He talks about how we'll be able to love and see people as God sees them, as God acknowledges every person from every ethnic background. He talks about our inner selves being strengthened to do what God calls us to do and live out the dreams that he has for us. He speaks that we will take on the qualities, the personality of Christ as he lives in our hearts. He speaks of a love that will go so deep, go far beyond anything you could ever do on your own, where you'll love not just who loves you, but you'll love selflessly and sacrificially because it has no width or depth or height, no boundaries whatsoever. It will just go and go. And we'll live into the fullness of God to accomplish the things we could never do on our own. That's what transformative prayer looks like. Another interesting exercise to do to help us understand that is stop and look at all the places where Jesus goes off alone to pray and then look and see what happens right after that. And When he does that, you see that right after he prayed is when he went out to start his preaching tour in Galilee, began his public ministry. After he prayed a long time, he walked on water with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. Peter confesses Jesus as the Messiah after a time of prayer on Jesus' part. And remember the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays, Lord, if you will take this cup from me. And there is where he found the power to go to the cross to achieve the salvation that is there for all of us. And you'll find time and time again after Jesus heals, he often needs to go off by himself, I guess, to renew his spiritual energies. But you can also look when he prays in public and see what happens. He prayed at his baptism and received the Holy Spirit, came in the form of a dove. He prayed all night before choosing his disciples. He gives thanks before feeding the 5,000. And the disciples are watching him pray and they ask him how to pray. Where he gives them the Lord's Prayer, which we still cherish to this day. And even at Jesus' last breath is a prayer. He is on the cross and says, Lord, I commend my spirit into your hand. Prayer changes things. You begin to get a sense that it's more than just praying for health and prosperity. It's so much more. Now, one mistake I think we often make is we tend to think prayer in such individualistic terms. It's about me and God. And often our prayers are confined to the boundaries of our own personal lives. And that's part of it. But it's so much more. I believe one of the reasons that Jesus talked about this image of a mountain was to help his disciples to think bigger. Because he had something for them to do, a movement to start that would eventually lead to the ends of the earth. He speaks of mountains because he s- hopes that we will come together to do greater things. Prayer often is best accomplished when we come together as a people, come together in groups. Imagine what can happen when, when a group that has common interest, a concern for something in the world that needs to be made right, and they pray first for God's guidance. I think they'll find much more product that comes out of it. Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, 19, Again, I assure you that if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, then my Father who is in heaven will do it for you. When Two of you agree. We need to pray together more often corporately, and God will do amazing things. Would you take out this prayer card that you were given today? That's part of what has inspired this all-church initiative. You'll notice that it is based on Joel 2.28, which says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And then a prayer is written based on that, inspired by that, for our congregation Would you join with me in reading this together? Lord God, we come seeking your dreams and visions for Noblesville first. We need you to do in our lives and world what we cannot do ourselves. Lead us out into the community to the people we are called to love. Transform our lives so completely that others will desire Jesus' life. Teach us to reach every generation with your unconditional love, And forgiveness, so we may be unified as one body in Christ. Amen. And our dream is that you will use this card or some other means that I'm going to share in a second to pull it out at 228 every afternoon if that works for you. If not, pick another time. And pray this out loud if possible or silently if necessary. And imagine the power that God would bring when to know that others are praying with you. I want to watch a video that. Cheers this dream Lord God. Lord God. Lord God. We come seeking your dreams and visions. Your dreams and vision. For Noblesville first. For Noblesville first. We need you to do in our lives and world. What we cannot do ourselves. We decide into the community. Into the community. To the people we are called to love. To love. To love transform our lives transform our lives so completely that others will desire Jesus life teach us to reach every generation every generation every generation with your unconditional love and forgiveness so we may be unified unified as one body in Christ amen amen oh. Oh. you love that amen. Doesn't that get you excited? Just imagine what God does if we could all come together at that time. So I'm going to invite you right now, pull your phone out or your watch and set your alarm for 228 every day. While you're doing that, let me share a little story that happened while Nancy and I were down in Florida. We handed these cards out to our gathering at Marco Island. We read it together. And our server came up to me afterwards and asked if she could take one of these cards. She was in tears. She said she was feeling lost. She had lost her daughter recently to cancer, and she was caring for her two grandchildren that she left behind. Already this prayer is making a difference. I invite you to help make sure it continues to make a difference. So to make it as easy as possible, because I know sometimes it's hard to carry a piece of paper around, If you have the Noblesville First app, this prayer will be right on the front. Just press the panel, it'll take you right to the prayer. If you download the Noblesville First app, if you haven't done so, it's a great time to do it, and we have lots of people around that can help you find it, you'll get a push notification every day at 228 until Easter reminding you to do this prayer. So download the Noblesville First app. So I invite us, whatever method works best, Find that deeper prayer, that transforming prayer because God wants to change our lives and to change this world through us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, how you make yourself available to us always, how you bring the mountain. All we got to do is bring the mustard seed. Give us that faith, that little bit of faith to trust you. In Christ we pray. Amen.